It is James chapter 1, if you have your Bibles or your digital Bibles. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you but when you ask you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind that person should not expect to receive anything from the lord such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do wow Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the things that we learn from it and the encouragement that we continue to receive from it. God, bless the opening of your word and the teaching of your word. Bless all the rest of today's service to your glory. Amen. Good morning, church. Hey, you know, um, so uh, pastor asked me last night if I would come up here and pray, you know, just for the country uh, and all the things we have going on. And uh, to be transparent, I told pastor that, uh, you know, I wanted to pray about it and ask God if, you know, really what he, if he had anything for me to say. Uh, and the reason why is just there's so much going on right now. There's so much going on in our country, whether it's COVID, whether it's you know, the riots, whether it's the protests, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, understanding, uh, you know, racism in our country and all the challenges that we face. And, you know, I've put a lot of thought into that because I've heard so many different what I would call sides to this. Um, you know, I, I had a conversation with my brother uh, maybe a week or so, about a week ago. And, you know, he had a very specific side to, to this whole, you know, you know, kind of what's going on right now in the economy, what's going on with the protests, you know, uh, some of the violence that we see out there uh, that, you know, some of the, you know, some of the people are getting in the way and, you know, creating havoc amongst all the protests that's going on right now. And I didn't really agree with it. I kind of told him that I say, you know, I don't I don't believe that violence is, is ever the answer to anything. Right. And uh, I think we as Americans, we as humans have the right to speak freedom that was on our mind but at the same time you know i think that you know we are children of god and a lot of times we forget that whether it's all the things going on with COVID and we're fearful we forget that god is with us whether it's we see injustice or we think we should take it in our own hands forget that god is the final answer he makes that decision for us. And, you know, I thought about that and I started thinking about what does that mean? And for me, I realized that what I'm seeing right now is many people are conforming versus going to God. Many, in many ways, 
or conforming. And, you know, I ask myself, why is that? If we have the faith that we said we have, we said that we're, that he's the only truth. Why is it that we believe that what we see is certain? And, you know, it's interesting because I believe, and I heard this recently, that certainty is a psychological state. And how do we know that? Well, everyone in this room right now, everyone that's watching right now, has been certain and also been wrong. Right? And so when we see what we see on the news, when we see what we, we hear from other people and what, you know, even, even uh, you know, ministers out there today, many people have their own perspective of what the truth is. But there is only one truth. And that's God. And so, you know, it was interesting because when I prayed last night, I was asking, and this morning, I asked the Holy Spirit to speak to me today. What do you want me to talk about? And I realized the Holy Spirit has already been preparing me. As the last couple of days, I've been thinking about what is it that God really wants us to do? And I realized that there's a lot of times, even when I get up here, that I'm, tr I'm trying to persuade you or try to lead you in a certain direction. And I believe, based on just my meditation and understanding of, you know, just really trying to spend time with the Holy Spirit, it's not my job to tell you what to do and how to do it. It's not pastor's job to do that. All we're here to do is to provide knowledge, provide the truth. And when that truth goes beyond what God's word says, we must question it. When that truth is based on what we hear on TV, we must question it. Because, see, this is the thing. We're not fighting each other. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And a lot of times we forget about that. When we see the things we see on TV and we go after people and we want to stake people and at the end of the day, that wasn't Jesus. And we have to remember that if we truly follow him, then we do what his will is. We seek him. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that we do not stand up for what's right. But when I, when I go back to his word, I realize that what's right is not my feeling. It's not my hurt. It's not my pain. What's right is wisdom and truth and knowledge. You know, in Proverbs, there's various verses that talks about this. You know, right at the beginning of Proverbs, if you want to understand why knowledge is so important, go back to Proverbs and read throughout Proverbs. You'll see it talks about knowledge. But I want to call out a couple of things that it talks about. In verse one, in chapter one, verse seven, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's interesting. In order for us to gain knowledge, we must go to God. We must understand that his word is the only word. There's no way for us to think that we're wiser than God. And when we do, we will see disaster. We wonder why we see so many challenges in the world today. It's because we want to judge people we want to be able to go and determine our own truth. 
And then we want to try to make it seem like it's God. But the reality is, it's not. You know, I can't stand watching the news anymore, no matter what channel, whether it's MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, it doesn't matter. I can't stand watching it because you know why? What I look for now is how often someone refers to God. Just, just next time you watch the news today, just watch and see how many times people refer to God in the decisions we're making. It's more about fear. It's more about getting you conformed or programmed to a certain way of doing things and living. And we're always trying to seek some happiness that's not real. The only way we can do that, though, is going to God. And his word is the only truth. So if you can't biblically say what's going on and you can't connect back to that, you got to ask yourself why that is. You know, another verse it says in, in Proverbs cha uh, chapter two, verse six here. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You see, the thing is, is if we want to be wise and we and, and wisdom is basically having knowledge and acting on that knowledge. But if we want to have that knowledge, all we have to do is go and ask God. It is so amazing to me how when I feel like now, like lately, I've just been asking the Holy Spirit. I say, Holy Spirit, help me with this. It is so common now for me to do it. I'm at work now. and I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. Can you help me. Give me an answer. And that's all you got to do. I know it sounds so elementary, but how many of us are doing it today? Whereas we want to use our own thinking or our own emotions to drive our thinking versus seek him. All we have to do is seek him and ask him and he'll give us the knowledge we need. The last one I want to read from Proverbs, it says in, in chapter 15, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 14, it says, the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of foods feed on folly. What is that saying? Those who are seeking God and understanding him and understand his truth. You're not out there, you know, just going out on a whim. You hear one thing and you say, that must be the truth and going and spread it to everyone else. What you're doing is you're trying to seek God and his understanding. And when we do that, we live in peace. When we do that, no matter what is going on around us, we're not worried. Because we know that his truth will always stand real and number one for us. But we must go to him first. And then as I was reflecting this morning, it took me back to Nehemiah. And why did it take me to Nehemiah? Because when I think about what's going on today in our world, I think about the challenges we have, this split world, you know, you know, whether it's Republicans or Democrats or whether it's, you know, uh, believing in more of a free lifestyle versus you know, believing in, in Christianity or whether it's, you know, racism and and or the 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 various um, disproportionate risk that people have in their lives in order to be able to um, continue to grow and, and to be able to live what we call the American dream. All those things, you know, and I think about all the challenges we face today. It takes me back to Nehemiah because right now our walls are breaking down. And when our walls are breaking down, what happened, right? People are rising up. People are rising up. People are rising up in different ways. We see some people rising up where they're just wanting to speak what they feel is right. 
We see other people are rising up in more of a violent way. We see some people not doing anything. And so the question is, is what are you doing? And when I go back to Nehemiah, it's interesting because when the walls broke down in Jerusalem, what did, what did, what did Nehemiah do? He prayed. He prayed. And I want to read his prayer. It's in chapter, uh, in chapter, two, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 4. And it says, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes and the rules that you have commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them. Though your outcasts are in the utmost parts of heaven, from there, I will gather them. And bring them to the place that I have chosen. To make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people. Whom you have redeemed by your great power. And by your strong hand. O Lord. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And to the prayer of your servants. Who delight to fear your name. And give success to your servant today. And grant him mercy in the sight of his of this man. What's interesting is I didn't read the first couple of verses and in, in, uh, before the, the, the prayer that Nehemiah prayed. It said that as soon as I heard those words, I sat down and wept. So he said as soon as he heard what was going on and the walls being broke down, he wept, which many of us are weeping in many ways. We're seeing things in this world that's taking place. And it causes us to weep. But what else did Nehemiah do? He said, I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. We can go out there and we can make noise. We can speak our rights. We could be violent. We could cause havoc. The question you must ask yourself, are you fasting and praying for God? Because at the end of the day, God is, God is the only one that can change this outcome. No one else could. And so I just ask you, as you leave today and you think about all the things that's going on and you allow, you know, our emotions get going when that happens, I'll just ask you to seek out wisdom I spoke with my daughters last night during dinner about this because a lot of things are going on. We see it. And I just told them, I said, you know, I really try to encourage them about the fact that they have to. God is giving you a mind. He has given every single one of us a mind. 
And he's given us the ability to seek him first. So knowing that, are you going towards God or are you conforming towards this world? And I just ask you to think about that. And I want to pray for everyone because at the end of the day, we must be disciples of God. And disciples of God is all about learning and understanding the truth so that we can preach his word. But very well can bow their heads. Lord, Father, I just want to thank you, God. I want to honor you because you're just a mighty God. Lord, you're a God that not only can do, do the impossible, but you can touch each and every one of us, even when we don't deserve it. You're the God that allows things to happen in our lives so that we may have testimonies and learn. And it stretches us so that we may be able to grow and abide in you. And I ask you today, God, to just touch each and every one of us. Help us, Lord Father, to begin to seek out the knowledge that you provide. Help us to know that, Lord Father, that your truth is the only truth. Help us to live in that truth through faith. And as we live in that truth, we begin to have a, 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 a world full of joy in our lives. Lord, you're such an almighty God. I just ask you to help us all see that and know that. And no matter what's going on in our lives, all we have to do is turn to you. And Lord, help us be silent enough to hear that still small voice within us. The Holy Spirit, Lord, help us to allow him to guide us so that we can discern of all the evil things in this world versus what you have for us and have prepared for us. I know, Lord Father, that we're going to have we're going to have challenges in our lives. We're going to have trials. We're going to have to deal with a lot of things in this world that's not of you because the devil is actively working and pursuing us, especially us. And I ask you to give us the fortitude, the ability and the knowledge, Lord Father, to be able to fight against it and stand against it. Lord, I ask you to help this world see you. I ask you, Lord Father, to help this world know, Lord Father, that many of the disasters and many of the things that we're seeing today is because we strayed away from you. Help us, Lord Father, to get closer to you. Touch each and every one of us. Touch our president. Touch our state leaders, Lord Father, our city leaders. Touch those that are in authority, Lord Father, so that they may make wise decisions that represents you. Lord Father, just like you touch Pharaoh, I know that you could touch anybody. And even those, Lord Father, that we may see today as evil, that we may want complete justice for, or in many ways, some people want, you know, violence towards. I ask you, Lord Father, first of all, I ask, Lord Father, that that person may be forgiven for any sins that they may have committed and that this world may be forgiven. But I also ask you, Lord, to help them know, Lord Father, that you're still with them. Help them know, Lord Father, that you don't give up. 
Help them know, Lord Father, that each and every human that's out here today, Lord Father, on this earth, that you love them. Help us stop judging, Lord Father, but start to love. Help us seek you and understand what your path is for us. The actions we take is completely aligned with you. But you said, Lord Father, to go in your yoke. And I ask you, Lord Father, to help each and every, every one of us to line with your yoke. Because then our days become easier and lighter. And I just thank you, God. And I love you. I thank you for what you've done for me in my life. And I thank you for this church. And I just thank you, Lord Father, for this country. I love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And hey, it is good to see your faces. How y'all doing? All right. I actually have a handful of y'all responding back to me. This is good. And maybe, Haley, I might need just a tiny bit of house lights so I can see some of these beautiful faces. I've been looking at nothing but empty chairs for about 10 weeks, y'all. It is good to see you back and being here and being a part of today's service. It's good to see you. And I got to say, all the pretty people showed up today. Can I get an amen, right? Well, you, all right, so I know some of y'all are pretty at home too, but hey, it is good to see you guys, and it is great to see your faces. I want to share a couple of things with you before we get off into the worship uh, around God's Word. So one, I want to share with you uh, about a couple of interns that are doing some things in some places that you probably need to be aware of, and that one of them is our very own Haley Hilton, and you can see her back there at the computer if you're here in the house today. And Haley has been absolutely pivotal in getting those words and lyrics at the bottom of the screen uh, so that you at home could worship, not just simply watch. And that is a big difference and a big thing for us. And so Haley has already paid dividends for being our intern. She's got lots of things going on and lots of things planned. Uh, she's been studying for the ministry, and she is such a faithful member, not only of our church body, but just a faithful person to God. And uh, God is doing so much in her life. And I'm so excited over this next uh, handful of weeks that we're going to be able to work together. Y'all pray for her. Amen, right? But God bless you, Haley. And let's give Haley a hand. Welcome to being a part of things on the EAC internship. Thank you so much, Haley, for doing that as well. Okay, and the other intern that I want to mention to you is my daughter Tatum. Today is actually her first day uh, up at one of our sister churches in the Owasso, which is Tulsa area, and she is up there. And uh, I am excited for her to be up there, uh, excited for her to learn from a young man that I actually... Oh man, I'm starting to feel older and older all the time. Uh, a young man that I actually was a sponsor for in youth camp way back in the day. And uh, he is doing a great work up there uh, at the Rejoice Church in Owasso. And Tatum is up there and today is her very first day. She's staying with some friends that we made and kept very, very close with even over the years that when we lived there in Tulsa for a couple years. So they're both there. And uh, you might have noticed that my wife was not here today. Uh, Miss Shelley uh, is up in Oklahoma City. 
and I know what she's doing. She's attending Mitch's church. And so y'all be praying for our marriage, okay? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I may have just slipped to her second favorite preacher to listen to after she has heard her son-in-law, Mitch. So that's a problem, right? And uh, she's got to say that I'm their favorite. She needs a lie if she needs to. That's fine. But if that is the case, y'all be praying for our marriage. She's up there. And as a matter of fact, uh, she is there with Tori. And uh, Tatum went on over to Tulsa. So we're excited about uh, all these different things going on and all the things that are happening. So today I want to talk about Hindsight 2020 and I'm going to get there in just one second. But I have just one more announcement, please. I want to honor our graduates. And I am bummed for you guys in that you didn't get the normal everyday uh, run-of-the-mill graduation ceremony but we are going to be honoring you next week. And so I don't want to miss you. So if you have not texted me on my phone number, and I think maybe we might even be able to put up my phone number in just one moment, but if you have not texted me on my phone number uh, and you have a young man or a young lady that is going to be uh, graduating from high school this year, or I guess already has at this point, Please let me know because we want to give them a couple of gifts. We want to honor them this coming weekend. Uh, so next Sunday, we'll be honoring our grads, which we normally do a little earlier. But is it, hey, is it March still or is it just me? I mean, it's crazy, right? I feel like it's almost still March, but I know it's already June. So definitely be here, be a part of things and be here online if you're not able to come as we honor our grads next week. Okay, so we are talking a little bit this week and we're going to be going through our last time in hindsight 2020. And the main thing that we've been talking about is the concept of getting better, not just simply getting through. You've heard it over and over again. I've heard it over and over again. People are just saying, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And that is true. We are going to get through this. But just understand, we can get through it. But there's also an opportunity for us to get better, to get closer to God. And so I believe that in the midst of something so crazy, so worldwide, so devastating and changing everything in our lives, I think God would like to do something more than just simply get us through it. I think he'd like for us to reorder some priorities and get better in the midst of it all. And so we talked about this kind of big idea review that we had for the very first week, and that was... That God probably has to end your normal to bring about something new in your life and in mine. And that is true. And we've been talking a ton about the new normal these days. I mean, there are people that are constantly showing up and talking about the new normal. I've got a couple of pictures and uh, we might have even done a couple of these this how many of you guys got an elbow bump for me this morning? Did some of y'all get an elbow bump already? Well, I'm doing this because I'm trying to be good. I'm trying also to wear a mask. And by the way, afterwards, I'm doing that mask. It's right here waiting for me. I hope I remember. But this is kind of the new normal. And that used to scare us to death. There are people out there with masks on. What's up with that? Well, that's just the new normal. And we're hearing constantly about the new normal these days. Well, Here's what I would say. If you, like me, are struggling a little bit to find your sense and find your sense of balance in the new normal and the new world that we're living in, here's what I would say. I believe that we can always use our fear to trigger us towards our faith. And this is just what I would say. Every fear is a chance to exercise your faith. So anytime you're feeling that fear, 
feeling that uncertainty, whatever it might be, when that wave washes over you, instead of just stopping right there and being worried and constantly being afraid, instead, I think you should do what your brain is kind of programmed to do anyway. You're programmed with an if-then. If this happens, then I will. That's how your brain and my brain have been designed by God. And so I would say that if you feel fear, then you need to lean into your faith. And some of the things that Peter was talking about just a little bit earlier, if the uncertainty of this world, even from the last seven or eight days, has shaken you and you think there's no way that things can ever be normal again in our world, I'm going to tell you something. If you feel that fear rising within you, have that moment, just say, okay, but God, you are still in control. And can I tell you something? I appreciated so much what Peter said because I believe with all of my heart that the answer is not to find the right people and politicians to do this for us. It's that we get on our knees before God and we come to Him and say, God, use us to be an agent of change in Your world because that's what He's called us to do. Amen? I mean, I believe that we ought to be changing our situations and not just simply going through them. And so thank you so much, Peter, for what you've shared. And I just want to just encourage you today If you are feeling fearful, then that is your opportunity. That's your cue to say, God, I'm afraid, but I know that you are always in control. So here is your something to learn. We've already read this passage of scripture from James chapter one, and this is your something to learn. James was written by James, the brother of Jesus, and he was not originally a believer in Christ, but he became a believer after Jesus appeared to him after the resurrection. That's kind of mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, I don't know about you, but I am always encouraged and identify most, not with those perfect people in the scriptures, but the people that have a little bit of a past and a little bit of a, an uneven spiritual journey because I can totally relate. How about you? And so if you know that and understand that James was not always a believer, and yet when he saw Jesus for who he was, he became a believer. And when that happened, he became a leader in the early church. And so for about 30 years, James was considered a leader after not being even a follower for a little while of Jesus himself. So why is that important? I believe that he shares some things that we can identify with And he gives us some clues as to how we can make it through with some insight, not just hindsight, okay? We can go through these things that we're dealing with with some insight and not just simply hindsight. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5 again. And what I'm going to do today is a little different. I'm going to put this up on the screen. And as I read that passage, I'm going to go back to this and back to this and back to this. And I'm going to highlight and literally I've gone through and I've bolded these things that I want you to notice as we learn three different lessons from James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. And let me just be very clear clear about this. I'm going to go ahead and read this passage. And then I want you to understand something about one of these Greek words. From James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5, James says something crazy that we don't even believe is possible. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. 
Now, I want us to look at this passage of Scripture and it says, when you face trials of many kinds, that word that we just talk about facing trials of many kinds, when we see that and understand that, that's the word that's been translated as face trials, but it actually conveys the meaning of robbing someone. It kind of conveys the meaning of jumping up suddenly and grabbing something away from another individual. The concept here is when you face trials, that thing jumps up and grabs you out of nowhere and it can steal your joy and steal your happiness and steal your focus right away from God. It happens to every single one of us and we've all been there, right? Amen? I mean, we've all been there. It's happened. It's jumped up and grabbed us and it's stolen our joy. But here is what we know as we go to this next slide. Here is what we know. We know that just like there were common, everyday, ordinary storms, and then there were the crazy storms that came out of nowhere. The truth is, is that just like the disciples on the Sea of Galilee knew that if you're going to walk on the, or if you're going to work on the Sea of Galilee, you're going to have to face storms. I'm here to tell you that if you're going to walk through this world, you are going to face storms, some small and some large. And we're dealing with a global pandemic. I mean, that's a pretty big storm. And we've been talking a little bit about how we're all facing this same storm together, literally worldwide. We're not all in the same boat, but we're all facing the same storm. And so in the process of it all, we need to know that God is still in control, even when we're out of and, and feeling out of control. And also, as if the global pandemic were not enough, we thought we'd just go to one of the craziest times of race relations in the last 40 years, right? And so it is just an absolutely crazy time in our world with so much happening. And you can lose sight of the fact that God is still in control and that nothing is catching him by surprise. But here is the big idea, and I want you to make sure and catch this. Growth tears down what was... And it rebuilds something that is stronger in its place. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that one more time. Growth tears down what was, and it rebuilds something stronger in its place. Now, I'm just going to tell you guys what's coming up. So, so hit pause for me there, Haley. Don't, don't move on too quick. I, I wanted to, to let you guys know that I actually took a picture of my arm and um, I, I shared that in the in the I'm going to share that in just a minute. And I know that at home it probably doesn't look like I'm changed that much, but it's been at least 10 weeks since any of you guys have really seen me in person. And to be honest with you, I'm in phenomenal shape. I mean, incredible. I, 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 I'm just jacked up. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The, the strength, the, the cut. I mean, it's just crazy. And I know that it doesn't look like that at home because there's a couple of cameras on me and camera adds 35 pounds and there's two cameras on me at one time. So you just kind of do the math. But this is actually a picture of my arm right there. And you can kind of take a look at it. I know that doesn't look like it, but the, the shirt is hiding a lot. It's hiding a lot right here. Showing a ton right here, but hiding a lot right there. So let me just tell you, if you, like me, are an incredible fitness buff, you understand how building muscle happens. You actually tear down the muscle fibers that exist in your body. This is, this is where the joke ends and the truth actually begins. You actually are tearing down muscle fibers in your body. And as they grow back, they grow back thicker and stronger and larger 
so they can handle more weight and tension and, and difficulty. And so I know that you guys might not know if you don't have an arm like this, but the way that you do this is you tear something down and it rebuilds even stronger than ever before. Do you see where I'm going with this? You know, the truth of the matter is, is that for most of us, we say that we want to be strong people. We say we want to have patience. We say we want to keep perspective. We say we want to grasp and understand things and have wisdom in the process of all of our life. That we want all of that to be touched by grace and humility and dependence on God and all of these things that don't come characteristic to our normal nature. But the truth of the matter is, is that that stuff doesn't happen unless you endure trials. And so whenever we're talking about enduring trials, you've got to understand if you want to get stronger, you have to go through difficult times. If you are going through a difficult time right now, you can go through one of two different ways. One is just to go through it and get through it. And then the other is to get better and to get stronger and to get more dependent and to gain perspective and to become more humble and to become more loving and all of these different things that we say that we want. But for most of us, we want to avoid trials like we want to avoid the plague, right? Amen? I mean, we just don't want to go through trials. But if we're ever going to become the people that God has made us to be, then we must get to the place where we say, as crazy as it sounds, I'm okay with the trial. And, and James goes all the way over the top. He says, consider it pure joy. And I don't know if I can even grasp what it's like to be like, man, another trial. This is awesome. I'm having a hard time with that. And probably you are too, because we're just human. But if we can see beyond it and say, anytime that we're going through a trial, we know that God is at work. Then we understand something a little different. And probably if I'm guessing, you have already seen some of this, some possible growth areas in your life since the COVID-19 thing hit. I mean, maybe you have a new value on your family or your spiritual life. Maybe you've come to the place where you've got a new perspective on things versus people. Maybe you've come to the place where you have some new habits that have started and some old habits that are dying. Maybe you've gotten to where you've got a new way of doing some things. And maybe... You, like me, are thinking to yourself, isn't it a good thing that we have a little bit more time to just not move on so quickly? And maybe this lesson in this race situation that we're going through, isn't that kind of a blessing that we have to wait here and linger here a little longer than if we just got distracted with who won the last football game? I mean, I thank God. I, 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 I Honestly, I've got a new perspective on sports, and I'm a big sports fan. I'm kind of a big sports nut, but I've got a new perspective on sports. I don't need sports nearly as much as I thought I did, and I would probably say that I am glad that at a such an important juncture in our world and our uh, personal nation here in the United States, that we have a little bit more time to sit and understand things a little bit on a deeper level. And this is something positive, even though it's a difficult time. Now, I've been telling you guys at the, at, after these last couple of weeks to make sure and interact online. And so I hope you're interacting. I hope you're giving me some amens because I'm not getting nearly enough here in this house. So let me get an amen. All right. Ah, they, you know what? They did a really good one. All right. Thank you guys so much. I mean, that wasn't 10 weeks worth of saving up, but I know you're going to have another chance in a minute. All right. So here we go. 
First Peter chapter five, verse five through seven. I want to talk a little bit about this and then I want to look into some insights uh, for hindsight. So let's look at first Peter chapter five, verse five through seven. Let's go back here and look at what we took, talked about last week. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And then let's go to the continuation of 1 Peter 5, 5-7. through Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety upon Him because he cares for you. If you ever memorize this in the old King James, it says, cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. And that is a great thing for us to always remember. But can I just share something with you? This passage of scripture is so important because it actually starts by saying that we need to be submitting to one another, that we need to be relying on people of a different generation. Did you see that? Let's go back one slide if you don't mind. There it is. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, the closer and closer I get to feeling like I am an elder, the more I believe that this should happen. But I always have known that if I'm going to gain some perspective that I need, I probably need to lock in and connect with people that have a little bit more perspective than me. And if you are young, I want to just say something. This is not trying to come at you, but I'm trying to give you some advice that if you will listen, it will help you and you will gain some ground in the things that you're trying to do. It says here that we as God's family should be looking to one another where the older should be looking to impart wisdom and the younger should be looking to gain wisdom. And I just would say that in our world today, sometimes we can become very, very insulated where we're not connecting with any other generation. It's not just racial divides that keep us apart. It is sometimes generational. Sometimes it is economic. Sometimes it is philosophical. We're keeping ourselves in our own echo chambers. And that is a great way for you to get very, very nervous about the things that make your group nervous, whether you're very old, very young or anywhere in between. And so it is very good for us to rely on others as well as rely on God. And let me just say something here. Man, we've heard all the time recently about social distancing, right? You guys have heard of social distancing. And some of us in here are socially distanced. We've got six foot in between most everybody, except for the folks from the same house. Um, well, here's the truth. Socially distanced is maybe not necessarily my favorite word. I heard somebody say, I'd like to say, let's do physical distancing and not get to the place where we don't think we need one another socially, right? And probably if you were like me, I told somebody, actually I was texting somebody just yesterday and I said, man, I can't wait to get back and give some hugs. I, I just feel weird about seeing some of the people that I love the very most and like I can't do anything but just kind of go, how's it going? <laughs> you know, I'm ready to get back in that relationship where I'm shaking hands and giving high fives and connecting and giving hugs. It's not time yet. I know that. Don't be judging me. Don't come at me. Don't text me and tell me, Pastor Randy, you know, you're going to die. Don't, don't do that. All right. But here's what I'm saying. When the time comes and that time does come back, I'm going to be there. I'm going to hear for, I'm here for that because I'm going to be ready to reconnect because I realize this is a void in my life. You know, my, my oldest daughter, Tori, if you know some of her story, uh, I didn't mean to do that, but 
while I'm cool, I rhyme. Um, Tori's story is that she actually went over and spent 15 months in Japan. And she taught English over there. And as she did, you know, we get online and have these, you know, uh, FaceTimes and various things like that. We'd stay connected via WhatsApp, all that different stuff that we would have. And so we would stay connected in that way. But it was funny because I asked Tori, I said, well, how did it go over there? And she said, it was good. It was really good. I enjoyed it, had a lot of fun. Um, and it was, I mean, 15, 18 months that I did not see my daughter except for once. She came back for Taryn's wedding. And so she was literally here for about a two or three day period and then back. And so that's a really long time. If you're a parent, you can imagine your 20 year old, 19, 21 year old daughter somewhere in that neighborhood being gone for that long. And the only thing you can do is see them via FaceTime. That's pretty tough. And so it was funny because if you know my daughter, Tori, you know that she is probably seems extroverted on the outside, but she is sometimes very, very introverted. And so we thought she's going to love being over there. She doesn't need to go anywhere. She didn't need to go see anybody or anything. And so she we thought she'd probably just be a person who stayed in. It was crazy because she told me, she said, man, I've got a better social life here in Hiroshima than I had in UT Austin. It's crazy. I don't know why that is, but I've got more friends and doing more than I ever have done before. And she said to me, she said, you know what I realized? I said, what's that, babe? She said, I realized I miss hugs a lot. And I thought, that's pretty wild because she's a very introverted person. But the truth of the matter is, is that you, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you need social interaction. You need connection. God has made us that way. And so when the time comes, we want you to be back. And don't forget, I've shared this with you a couple or three different times, what T.D. Jake said, and you might find yourself in this place. He says that isolation is the last step before destruction. And here's what it says. If, if you're telling yourself no one loves me, no one understands me, no one cares about me. You may be a person who is very dangerously close to going down a path that you don't need to go down. And so you might need to be very proactive. You won't accidentally bump into people during this global pandemic, but you might need to be seeking some people out. Let me just keep moving here very quickly. Here are some things that we see in James's scriptures that we can gain insight and not just simply wait for hindsight. Let's talk about it. You've got to be optimistic because you and I belong to Him. We've got to be optimistic that God is at work and He's doing some things. Let's look back at James chapter 1. Here's the first lesson that I want to highlight. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. What is that telling us? It's telling us that if you and I are going through something, God is up to something. I'm going to say that one more time. And maybe here in the house, you can kind of share along with me. If you're going through something, God is up to something. Can y'all say it with me? If you're going through something, God is up to something. I know y'all were saying it, but your mask got you real quiet. Is that what happened? If you're going through something, God is up to something. That means He's doing something in your life. Pay attention and be optimistic that it's not all going to be wasted. God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt in your life. No matter where it is in your timeline or your history, God never wastes a hurt. Just learn that lesson. And here's what I would say. And Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, 
If you are a person who's not naturally optimistic, if you are a person who is glass half empty, I'm here to tell you something, and it's not necessarily going to be the easiest thing for you and I to hear if you are pessimistic. But here's what Jesus says. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Can I get an amen? I mean, isn't that great news that God is going to feed us, take care of us? And how about this? Are you not much more valuable than the birds that God takes care of? And can any one of you, by worrying, add one single hour to your life? The truth of the matter is, the answer to that is obviously no. But how many of you know that the more that you worry, the shorter that life is actually going to become? I mean, we know well enough that stress is going to kill you probably way before any of the things that you're actually stressed about. The truth is, is that for most of us, we need to realize that we can be optimistic, not because this world is easy, but because if we're going through something, God is up to something and he's doing it in your life and in mine. Very quickly, don't miss this. Don't miss this. God never will give you a life that makes him unnecessary. He always wants you to love him and come to him and be a part of his family. And then one more, don't miss this. I want to share this. Every testimony begins with a test. It's unavoidable. I've shared this every one of the four weeks that I've talked about hindsight 2020. Now, let me just ask you guys to kind of listen to a, a story. There's an old story of Socrates, and I've shared this before. Some of you have heard it. Some of you might remember it. But Socrates always had young men coming to him and asking him questions. And so this young man, particular one, came to him, and he was very, he's real pompous, you know? Like he, he, oh, wise and incredible Socrates, please, I come to seek wisdom. You know, just this kind of putting on all the airs. And Socrates just said, you come to seek wisdom. Yes, yes, sir, please give me wisdom. He said, all right, come with me. And so he takes him down to the beach and to the water. And he walks out about chest high. And Socrates says, tell me one more time what you seek and what you desire. And he says, I desire wisdom. And right about that time, Socrates puts his hands on his shoulders and plunges him underwater. He's You know, that whole noise that you've heard that you've probably even experienced. And he holds him under for about 15 seconds and he lets him up. And he says, what is it that you seek? And he goes, I seek a wisdom. You know, goes back down under again. And so he holds him under this time for about 30 seconds and finally lets him back up. And he says, what do you seek? And he says, I seek wisdom. Oh, why? So you know, sends him down again, holds him there. He's struggling. He, he's squirming all over the place. He's down there for about 45, 50 seconds. And he comes up and he goes, what do you seek? And he goes, air. I want air. And Socrates says, if you seek wisdom the way that you seek air right now, then you will have it. Pretty interesting, isn't it? How most of us in the midst of a trial don't see God's hand at work at all. What we want is we want relief. As Andy Stanley has said, we want relief in that moment. We don't want to learn a lesson. But God is up to something in our lives. And we can have that hindsight 2020 where we can go through all these things and actually gain insight as we're going through it. And as a matter of fact, very, very clearly, something that is really cool, the things that 
Peter was sharing and he did not know what I was going to be talking about today. But James chapter 1, that second lesson that is highlighted here on this slide that is coming up, you ask God for His wisdom and He will give it to you. Let's go to this next slide. There it is. If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generally to all, generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Isn't that interesting that He has said that it will be given to you? And then very quickly, as I hasten to kind of close, James chapter 1, um, uh, the, the, the insight for hindsight number C here is don't leave that moment too early. And I want to just make sure that you've read something. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've read this and read this and read this. And I heard a message preached on it. And it jumped out to me. And I was like, how in the world did I not see this before? But look at what James chapter 1 says here in this next slide. Go back to James chapter 1. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you notice what it says? It says, let perseverance finish its work. How many times have we, in desperate seeking of relief, bailed out on the lessons that God wanted to teach us and we did not accomplish what God wanted, these terrible circumstances and difficult things that we were going through, it did not accomplish its purpose because we were so desperate to be experiencing relief and did not give God's grace a chance to finish its work in us. I just believe with all of my heart that many of us could be much more mature and much more complete, not lacking in those spiritual things that we need if we would allow perseverance to finish its work instead of just so desperately wanting to get away from the pain. And let me just share with you today, here's what I know. If you're going through difficult times, I can't tell you when they end. I can't tell you how it all gets fixed. I can't tell you that everything's going to be easy or perfect. And as a matter of fact, I could probably tell you that more than likely it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be something that just perfectly smooth in front of you because that's not really our world and that's not really the way that things are set up to work here. But here is what I would say to you. I would say that God does not always live up to your expectations, but God always lives up to his word. Can I get an amen on that? Right. How about you guys in the chat? Can y'all can y'all throw me an amen on that? I, this is not original for me. I heard it, but I loved it. So I shared it and I stole it. So sue me. Okay, that's fine. But you've seen my muscular arm. If you want to sue me, you just know what you're up against, right? All right. So here's what we know. God does not always live up to your expectations or mine, but he always lives up to what? His word. Yes, he does. And because of that, we know that he is our anchor. And that's where we're going next. Here's how you apply. I've shared these with you the last three weeks. Here's how you apply. You apply by this way. First of all, you lean. Second, you love. And third, you learn. First of all, you lean and know that God alone is your anchor. Anywhere else is shifting sand. And you will definitely rue the day that you put too much faith in someone or something that was not stable and forever. But God is always there. Secondly, you love Remember to love others and express it to those around you. I've shared this with you the last few weeks, and I would encourage you at this time when everything is crazy, what an opportunity that we all have to go to the place where we say the things that are most important in my life are not things at all. They instead are the people and the things that God is doing in my life. And then fourthly, 
I mean, pardon me, thirdly, learn. Just take notice of your greatest fear. It's most likely the area where you can learn the most. And so if you're worried about paying those bills, that might be where you can learn to trust God as if never before. And maybe if you're thinking, well, this is going to happen or that's going to happen or I'm struggling with a lack of purpose or I'm struggling with loneliness or I'm struggling with this kind of emotional issue or this kind of financial issue, wherever you are on that spectrum or things that I haven't even spoken about. Here's what I know. Most of the time, what hurts the most is where God is at work best in your life. So lean into him and allow yourself to learn the lesson. And don't leave early on the things that God is doing in your life. Here's what I would say. I'm going to share a story with you, and then we're going to come back to where we are today. Here's the story. It's from the Washington Post. It's from an article that literally goes all the way back to October 30th, 1992. Yes, some of us were even alive in 92. I'm not even going to tell you how old I was, but... That arm thing that I was joking about earlier was a whole lot closer then than it is now. I'll tell you that. Many, many moons ago. But here's what it says. Score one for the old wives. If you've heard of old wives tales, he says, score one for the old wives. The observation that a growing child shot up overnight or grew an inch overnight, long assumed by scientists to be nothing more than folklore and overstatements, may just actually be true. They went through and they started looking at babies. And here's what they found. They started measuring these children. They'd measure them, putting their head up against the headboard and stretching out a tape and measuring them on incredibly finely tuned, you know, rulers and instruments and figuring out exactly how tall they were and how tall they were after each day. Some of them daily, some of them weekly, some of them monthly. But here's what they found. A normal growth in an infant occurs in very brief and possibly even something as short as a 24-hour burst that punctuate long periods with no measurable growth actually taking place. In other words, nothing changes, nothing changes, nothing changes, nothing changes, nothing changes, and boom, growth happens. And then nothing changes, nothing changes, nothing changes. It goes back. Now, if you can see where I'm going with this, follow along. We are going through something right now that is a growth opportunity, probably as never before in our world. And never before in our country has it felt in my lifetime. And I'm just a little bit shy of 50. In my lifetime, it's never felt like the race issue that we've been talking a little bit about over these last couple of weeks has never been so much at the front of our mind. Never have so many people been open to the conversation that needs to take place and needed to take place decades or centuries ago. Here's what I would say. In the midst of long periods of nothing happening, we can have, boom, periods of growth. But the question is, will you? Here's what they said. The main researcher said, she asked three mothers of those children that were measured daily to keep diaries of what their infants ate, when they slept, how they behaved. And the mothers noted on the day or two before a growth spurt, children were usually fussy and incredibly hungry. Man, I must still be growing, all right? Because I'm always incredibly hungry. 
But here's what they also found. Frequently, the mothers weren't surprised at all because they discovered the child immediately thereafter had a growth spurt when they were so hungry and when they were so fussy, so much going on. In other words, do you see how beautifully this ties in with what we're going through? When things are in an uproar and in an upheaval, God has our attention. You know this, right? You know this. I know this. When things are crazy and I can't trust anything at all, I go running back to my Heavenly Father who's been there the whole time, who's been leading and directing and waiting for me to lean in instead of lean on my own understanding. But in all of my ways to begin to acknowledge Him and allow Him to direct my paths as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. He has my attention as never before and I have an opportunity to grow. You have an opportunity to grow. So here is the question that I have been asking you over the last four weeks in one form or another. Are you just going to get through? Or are you and I going to trust God enough? Are we going to ask for insight so that we might gain something besides for just getting through, we can get better? That's what I want. I want to come out of this time knowing Him more, being closer to the important people and things in my life, and gaining some new perspective on some life that I have let slip and instead bring it back on track. Maybe you are in that case as well. Maybe that's where you are. But here's what I want to do. I want you at home and I want you here in this place to just take a moment. Let's bow our heads. And as we bring our time to a close around insight and hindsight, let's talk to God just for a moment and ask that he would give us those things, insight and hindsight. Heavenly Father, dear God, as we come to the end of this time around your word, what a shame it would be that we have changed our new normal, <laughs> that we have been participating in a whole world's worth of upheaval, that we are seeing people that have literally laid down their lives for change to happen. God, what a tragedy it would be if in a month or two, we as your people look around and go, nothing's changed in me. Nothing's changed at all. God, if you're doing something in our world, we want to be a part of it. We want to see it, Lord, and we want to participate with you. God, please be with us. We need your insight because sometimes, Lord, we just wait on hindsight and then we wonder what we missed and why we missed it. God, what a tragedy it would be if we did not get better and we just simply got through. Today, I pray that you would help me to get better, that you would finish your work in me, and that I would have enough courage to say, I'm hurting. But what God wills, I will do. Not my will, but thine be done. And dear God, I know that there are people here today, there are people online right now, that have been dealing with difficulties and hurts, hang-ups and anger, frustrations, disappointments, discouragements, fears, and so much longer the list could go. But God, may they give it to you. 
may they realize this is our time to lean into our faith. And God, may we learn the lessons. May we grow to become more mature and may we become more complete. And God, may you alone receive the glory because you alone are worthy of it. And may we be worthy of your name just a little bit more. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity around your word today. Thank you for each one that's here and each one online. Give them blessings, lead them and keep them safe and prosper them, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, we all pray together and say, amen. Guys, thank you so much for being here. It is good to see you here. And uh, those of you who are online, I hope that uh, you have enjoyed being a part of today's worship service. It's been great to have you. We're going to end the way that we always do. We have just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Stay safe and love you guys. Y'all take care.